We are excited to welcome you back to the Christian Apostolic Center podcast. And yes, this is a podcast where a body of born-again believers are committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. I'm your show host here again, Alex Spooner. With us is a very special guest, first time on the podcast here. Excited to welcome in Brother Chris Huff of CAC. Brother Chris, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Absolutely. We're, we're excited. You're kicking off what we are calling the new ministerial series here uh, at CAC having a lot of different guests come on, minister, speak, uh, impart uh, a word of wisdom, and, and obviously the word of God, some great things that the Lord's been dealing with each of us about. Looking forward to what you have to talk about tonight. So as always, break open your Bibles, uh, get your pens, your pencils, your highlighters, follow along with Brother Chris, uh, obviously virtually amen him, uh, and we're looking forward to what you have to speak. So if you're all ready, stay tuned and listen in. like to say how thankful that I am for getting uh, to be here tonight and to minister to each of you. I'd like to thank my pastor and my uh, leadership, and I'd like to jump right into apostolic vision. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. What do each of these have in common? They're the pillars of our doctrine as believers. And just recently, I was looking back on what 2020 had been like. There's lockdowns, unrest, wildfires, and other disasters. Things covering the world that we had not anticipated at all. And I'm a firm believer on December 31st, 2019, no one had an inkling of an idea of what was going to take place this year. In fact, 2020 was made to be made out to be a year that was full of great innovation, full of great success, but now it's only ending with many nations and peoples just scratching by. You could almost say there was a 2020 vision. When you go to the doctor's office, they will often check your eyes with a list of letters. You cover your left eye, you read as far down as a shrinking list of letters goes, and then you cover your right eye, and you read down that time. The further down you can read is the better that your vision is. And 2020 means that you can see objects that are at 20 feet as if they are at 20 feet. This is acceptable vision. It's not perfect by any means, but it gives you the ability to walk through life and do everything according to what society requires of you. And it say it's much easier than someone who has 20-30 vision, someone who can see something at 20 feet but think it's at 30. All that being said, I believe that the year 2020 has been a test of our apostolic vision. Going back to my first verses, John 1 and 1, talking about the plan of God, a letter that has clearly been able to see throughout all of Scripture. Acts 2.38 talks about the plan of salvation, another key aspect of doctrine for all Christians. And Deuteronomy 6.4, talking about the oneness and the holiness of God. Each of these carry a main theme, main theme of what God's plan is or who he is. They're quite easy to read into, and many of us have learned them as memory verses when we were very young. But what about the love of God and what he stands for? What about what the church is supposed to look like? 
or how we are supposed to pray and walk with God. Before I go any further, my main text tonight is Proverbs 29:18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that knoweth the law, happy is he. If the church loses its vision, everyone we reach for will perish. If we know that God is real, then we must know that his power is real. His authority is real, his grace, mercy, and plan of salvation, they're all real. This is a good thing, because now, more than ever, we see that there's real pain and real addictions in our society, real strongholds, real principalities and powers, and all these can be alleviated by a real God. But God's plan has always been to use people like you and me to do his work. It wasn't just left to Jesus when he left and ascended to heaven to do all the work. It was made so that his spirit could dwell within us and so that we can do his work. And Jesus said, greater things will you do than these. If we say that God is able and that he will provide, not saying anything against that, but if we only focus on that. We fool ourselves and are no better than the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 23, 27. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful on the outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanliness. This is the main reason why many have disdain for religion, because it promises something and then it just takes it away. It says it gives you peace but really just binds people in bondage and chains, including Jesus himself. This is why he had such an issue with the scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees. And the reason the church in the first and second centuries turned the world upside down is because of testimonies, like the lame man at Gate Beautiful, Ananias and Sapphira when they lied against the Holy Ghost, Peter's shadow healing those as he walked by, Paul being bit by a, by a viper and condemned to death, but walked away without a scratch? How about demons being cast out or prison foundations being shaken on multiple occasions? And because of people who learned what Philippians 4.13 meant the hard way. Because in Philippians 4.12 it says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed to full and be hungry. To both abound and suffer need. Paul knew what it was like to suffer and to have prosperity. He saw with his own eyes many miracles, and he did many miracles through the work of God. But in light of all this, this is the reason why the apostolic vision of their day changed their entire world, brought the Roman Empire to its knees. It wasn't because they promised salvation. It wasn't because they promised ideology, or it wasn't because they promised a structure to live in. It was because they had a structure to live in. It's because they had salvation. It's because they had a means to show that God was working in their midst. If we want to call ourselves apostolic, then we ought to do as the apostles did. As a church, we are called to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. There's an idea out there that if we just blend in, then many will come. It doesn't matter if many come, but they never receive bread. 
if many come and they die and perish because they starve, shame on us because we're just a whited sepulcher full of dead men's bones. We're called to be more than conquerors. Jesus gave us power to overcome. He gave us power and dominion over everything just as he had power and dominion because his spirit lives within us. And we should be able to cast out demons, heal the sick, clothe the poor, feed the poor, be the direct lifeline from the world to God. Because without the church, the world is completely lost. That is the entire plan and being of the church. It's so that people like you, me, we have all fallen completely and totally from the grace of God. Our righteousness is on the filthy rags. There's nothing that we could do to ever attain what God had for us and what his plan is because we are full of sin. But there was a baby that was born in Bethlehem and he came down and said, I'm going to wrap myself in flesh. I'm going to go and die for these people so they can know me. They can be a part of me. They can bring about a change because he didn't want to see his people suffer. Suffering was a result as after what we did. So when he saw his people suffering, he had compassion and love for each of us. And so he said, I'm going to come down. I'm going to release them from their bondage and from their chains. And then I'm going to move through them and in them so that they can help each other around them. But in light of all this, this year has shown me in in greater detail than ever before that my spiritual walk with God was not in a place where I particularly wanted to be. If I was completely honest, in some places I was severely lacking, and I had my vision checked. I realized I needed to find the roots of where my help comes from once again. In Second Chronicles 7.14 it says, If my people, which are, hum- which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is how you get the attention of God. It's not going up there, singing a song, and walking away, not being changed. It's coming to God, putting everything else aside. Like I said earlier, and like the Bible says, our righteousness is under filthy rags. There's nothing I could do or anyone can do to reach a level of atonement or attainment on their own to earn the grace of God. And so we have to humble ourselves, say, God, you are greater, you have never sinned, you are holy and mighty and strong to save. And then we have to pray and seek his face. God doesn't just want us to humble ourselves and walk there and say, well, we know there's a God out there, so we're going to humble ourselves, say that we're not as good as him, and then walk away with that. He wants to have a relationship. The only way that healing will come about is if you have a relationship with the one who can heal. Jesus said he was the great physician. He didn't come for those who didn't need healing. He came for the sick and for the poor and for the needy. And then it goes into saying he will hear from heaven. This is how we get his attention. It's not by singing a song. It's not even by preaching the word. It's by hearing and praying to him. It's by having a relationship with him. And how do we get power with that? We have a relationship with God, but how do we impact the area around us? 
In Matthew 17, 20 through 21, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. To give some background on this passage, there was a man who had a demon in him, and the apostles did their very best to cast out the demon, just as Jesus had said. And Jesus said, Yes, you are able to, but it's because of your unbelief. And this power, you need to dedicate yourself to me. You need to know me. You need to be able to feel and touch me. You need to be able to reach to me in prayer. And then I'll give that to you. It's not that God doesn't want to give it to us. It's that to get to a place we need to seek him and reach atonement with him so that we know that he is God and more than able to save. Speaking of that, he is the only constant. There's nothing else beside him. There's no one after them. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So where else would we turn to except to God? This is what a lot of religions strive for, saying that God is greater, God is so good. But then they don't offer any relief from the day-to-day life of many believers or many people who try to follow these religions. It's only Jesus that said, Give me your heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are weary. And Isaiah talks about those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's because God has all power, all ability, all authority. That's the only reason why we can find him in this manner. And the reason why we have to find him is because, like I said, our righteousness is under filthy rags. Because we could try to do anything. I could, like Paul wrote, I could speak with the tongues of angels, but it would just be like a tinkling cymbal. I could feed everything to the poor that I had. I could sell all my goods. I could be burned at the stake even for God's word. But without God and without love, to me it is nothing. The church is not just a place to go and hang out. It's not a group of people to get along with, but it is a hospital for those who are sick, for those who are broken and tried. It is a place of rest for those who go through their day-to-day life, coming against things that they have no clue how to deal with, because only God can give that sort of rest. It's a place to find mercy and salvation, because whether we'd like to admit it or not, all men have fallen short of the glory of God doesn't matter what I've done, who I've been with, who I've associated with. It doesn't matter how much I've given away. I still need that mercy and salvation every day because I still live in this flesh today. And it's a place to renew your strength. Because even if you are saved, even if you have great fellowship with everyone around you, even at the end of the day, if you're praying one, two, three hours, you still need to find a place to renew your strength. And that can only be found in God. And there are still, and the reason why we need to have power, apostolic vision in the church is because there are still wars being fought in the minds and souls of every person that you walk by, every person that you go to school with, 
every person that you see on that Zoom call and computer screen. They are all still dealing with sicknesses that are just as real as they were in Acts, powers that were just as real as they were in Acts, addictions, afflictions, depression, everything just as real as it was in the book of Acts. And the church needs to be just as real today. So we as the church need to ensure that we still hold an apostolic vision.